All right. Well, happy Palm Sunday, everybody. We're so glad to have you as we, like Ryan just said, we kick off Holy Week, Passion Week together, and are really looking forward to an incredible weekend next weekend. And that all begins today here on Palm Sunday. I do encourage you, if you've never been to the Good Friday service, it is one of the best services of the year that we will do together as a whole church on that night. So I hope you'll make plans. It really has a special way of turning your heart towards Easter uh, in a unique way. So we'd love for you to be a part of that. And then next Sunday, obviously a lot of services across all of our campuses. Uh, I look forward to being right back here at 11 a.m., same time, same place, next Sunday morning. So hope that you will make plans to attend one of those services. As, uh, as we always do, we are going to clearly articulate the gospel on Easter, we can give people a chance to respond to the gospel. And uh, so we'd love for you to invite people, bring people with you, uh, just as we've been talking about through Chris and, uh, and through Ryan. Easter week actually kicks off tonight. Uh, I will preach uh, our first of, I guess it's not even in the 12, we've got 13 services. Uh, tonight at one of our local jails, me and some of our worship team uh, will go to one of our local jails and we will preach the Easter message and to give people an opportunity to meet Christ. So be praying for us tonight, six o'clock. We're gonna be sharing the gospel with people and uh, really, really can't wait to share that with you next Sunday, okay? Let's grab our Bibles. Daniel chapter 12 is where we're gonna be today. Uh, for nine weeks, now this is week 10, we have been in the book of Daniel and uh, we've been talking about 10 commitments to make when life closes in. Have you enjoyed the book of Daniel so far? I think it's just been a right time and right book for, uh, for the life of our church and our people. And, uh, and so here we are at the end of the book. And, uh, and really the first uh, nine weeks of the series, we've just focused on Daniel chapter one through six, which is really where the main story of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Nebuchadnezzar, Darius, like that's where that all centers in the first six chapters. The last six chapters are totally different. And, and in fact, if we wanted to... to speak on the last half of the book, uh, it, really we would have to give ourselves about another nine or 10 weeks to, uh, to go through the book because it is prophetic in nature. Uh, in all reality, it's kind of confusing in nature as it speaks about the end of time. And, uh, and so we're gonna do something a little bit different today. Y'all ready to get crazy today? Anybody in the room? Here's how we're gonna get crazy. In the final message of this series, we're going to attempt to sum up the last six chapters of the Bible in one message, okay? So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna focus on Daniel chapter 12, but I'm going to give you the various visions or six visions mentioned in the last six chapters of the book of Daniel. And, uh, and this is just kind of whet your appetite for more study on your own time. But, uh, but really, if you look at the last six chapters, Daniel 7, 8, 10, 11, and 12 all deal with visions that God had given Daniel. Uh, chapter nine, if you notice, was the one I did not mention. Uh, that chapter begins with Daniel repenting for the sins of Israel. And then Gabriel, the angel, actually comes to Daniel, helps him interpret one of the visions. And so in all reality, it's safe to say that all six final chapters of the book of Daniel all deal in some form or in some fashion with the various visions that God had given Daniel. Let me give you a list of these, uh, just if you uh, are interested in this. Uh, you can do more study, like I said. These six visions are given. The vision of four great beasts, the vision of the Ancient of Days, the vision of Antiochus IV, the vision of 70 weeks, the vision of the man, and the vision of a coming Antichrist. Okay, again, we could do an entirely separate series on the last six chapters and uh, spend another nine or 10 weeks on that alone. 
And in all reality, here's what you'd find. There are various interpretations, even of these visions. And so a very complex uh, thing in the scriptures. And yet the, the, the best way that I feel like we could wrap up the day is by giving you our 10th commitment we're asking you to make. And here's what that commitment is. I will live for eternity. I will live for eternity. In other words, when we say that, as a Christian, you are saying, Lord, I commit to being a man or a woman, a teenager, college student, young adult, whom in my eyes are fixed on eternity and I am acting accordingly in the present life, looking forward to the future life, if that makes sense. And so let's begin together, Daniel chapter 12. And, uh, and really this, this last chapter here, all we're studying is four verses of chapter 12, but I think it sums up rightly how we should view the last six chapters and view our lives in the meantime of that. So let's look at verse one. Here's what the Bible says. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. If you got your Bible there, I would underline the book. We'll come back to that here in just a second. If you read this and you're like, Nick, I ain't got a fat clue what this is about, okay? Tell me what this passage is about. This verse is about the great tribulation. The angel, Michael here, is known as the defender of Israel, and he will defend Israel in the midst of the great tribulation. Now, in the midst of a terrible time, okay? By the way, the great tribulation will be a horrible, terrible season. And yet, even though all of that is true, Daniel chapter 12, verse one tells us this is not a message of doom. This is a message of hope that even in the midst of the great tribulation, God will protect his people, Israel. Satan's gonna do all he can to thwart that plan. And yet God will use Michael, the angel, to guard and defend the people of Israel. Okay, the book mentioned here, the, the book that I had you underline is, uh, is called the Lamb's Book of Life, okay? Some of you have heard that term before. Uh, others of you, it's the very first time you've ever heard that. You're like, what is this book you are speaking about? The Lamb's Book of Life uh, is, is a long book, as you can imagine by what I'm about to say. It's a big book. And in that book are written every single name of anybody throughout history who has put their faith in the Lord Jesus and been saved. And so let me just pause right there before we go any further. And let me just ask you a personal question. You can just answer it in your, in your own heart, okay? Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? You need to ask yourself that today. Like, like Daniel chapter 12 brings you face to face with eternity, with a book. And God says he will judge us by this book. Is your name in the book or is your name not in the book? Uh, notice what I'm not asking you today. I'm not asking you, are you a good moral person? I'm not asking you, do you come to church regularly or do you try to be a good employee at the office, okay? What I'm asking you is, has, have you ever transferred your trust to all the good things that you can do for God so that God will love you over to I've trusted in the one main thing that God has done for me. He sent his son Jesus Christ to die in my place. We've sung about that all morning long. And I was, I was freshly struck this morning when we, said that little phrase about mercy. Mer is it mercy spoke for me, Jordan? Mercy spoke for me. And I'm just like, man, golly, that, that's, my, that's my story. Anybody else? Mercy spoke for me. And you know how your name gets written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Mercy. 
through the cross of Jesus Christ, you by faith putting your trust in what God has done for you, not in what you have done for God. And in that moment, I don't know what the pen looks like. Maybe God will show us one day, but it's a, it's a nice pen. And God grabs the pen and he writes our name in the Lamb's book of life. If, if you've never had that experience, if you've never trusted Christ by faith, man, don't wait till Easter next Sunday. What a great day it is to do that today. Right here on Palm Sunday, put your faith in the Lord Jesus. Look at verse two. It says, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth. You say, well, that sounds gross, okay? Anybody grossed out by that? What that means is not that they literally sleep in the dirt. What that means is these are people who have died, okay? So those who sleep in the dust of the earth, what shall happen to them? They shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. I'll get to the second half of that here in just a second, okay? This references the moment where people are separated, some to eternal life in heaven, some to eternal life in hell. We'll go down deep in that in just a moment. This is also spoken about and echoed in the New Testament in uh, probably what is a much more familiar passage of Scripture to you than is Daniel chapter 12. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul says this long uh, passage. I'm going to read it for you today about this exact same moment. Here's what Paul writes in verse 13. He says, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. Again, another euphemism for those who have died that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep, so those who have died. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Here's what that means. If you are alive when Jesus returns to earth, you're gonna come in second place, okay? Because the dead in Christ first, their bodies will rise and then we will go and we will meet the Lord in the air. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ, here it is again, they will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Here's the hope of heaven. So we will always be with the Lord. There's never a moment in heaven when you are not with the Lord. Isn't that good news today? Verse 18 is interesting. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. We'll come back to that here in just a moment. You often hear 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 quoted at funerals. Anybody ever heard this quoted at a funeral before? This is often like a go-to passage for pastors because it is the, the kind of the passage on when we see people who are saved, people who are Christians, when they die, this is a go-to passage because it is a passage filled with great hope. Um, when Christians die, is it sad? Yes or no? Yeah, it's still sad, right? Um, in a church of our size, we have people die every single week, either church members who die. In fact, our oldest church member in the church died this past week, 102 years old, Wilma Samuels, godly woman. And uh, beyond just, just people in our church who are members who die, uh, all over the church every single week, we have people who lose their family members, they lose a, a parent, they lose a brother, sister, people die. So well, Nick, how do you know that? Well, I, I get a list of everybody that we know 
in the church family who has experienced death in some way. And I try to uh, do my best to write a note to that family. Hey, praying for you, grieving with you right now. So, so I, I think every one of these families, and some of you are probably in this room right now, who over the last few months you have lost a loved one, um, maybe even over the past several years, you've lost a loved one and yet it feels like it was yesterday. Anybody got that story? And, uh, and so when we, when we ask the question, is it sad when Christians die? Wholeheartedly, it is sad when Christians die. And I love the fact that the Bible does not say, do not grieve because we have hope. The Bible says we still grieve. And so, by the way, let me just say a little side note. It is healthy for you to grieve when people die. It is unhealthy to stuff it in and to not grieve. So by all means, don't feel like you're ungodly if you grieve Grieve and grieve wholeheartedly, okay? Here's the, the, the line drawn in the sand by the Bible about those in Christ who die. He says, yes, it's still sad. Yes, we still grieve, but we do not grieve the same way as those who grieve with no hope. And that is the hope. That is the distinction. That's the difference when people who know Jesus die. We know where they are. And so their last breath on earth is followed by their first breath in heaven. There is no purgatory. There is no uh, a season of waiting. There's nothing. To be absent from the body, the Bible says, is to be present with the Lord. Can we just celebrate that good news again today on Palm Sunday? I mean, that's the hope of what we believe in. So there's an incredible, incredible passage here. Um, and here's what you understand. 1 Thessalonians 4 and Daniel chapter 12 are referencing this moment when God raises the bodies of those who have died in Christ and they are no longer old or broken or bald. You know what I'm saying? These are renewed bodies, okay? You're not even gonna recognize me in heaven. I will have the best hair in heaven because I have suffered on earth, okay? Some of y'all are gonna be walking around like, man, I guess, guess Nick did not make it around here. No, I'm, I'm gonna be there. It's going to look a little bit different, okay? I'm going to have a renewed body. And you're going to have a renewed body. No more cancer. No more arthritis. No more shoulder that hurts from an injury at my sophomore year of high school playing football. Like, none of that will be there. God will give us a renewed body. And so, so yet again, this is why Paul reminds us in verse 18. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So if you're here today, and, and when I talk about losing a loved one, whether it was years ago or a week ago, it's still fresh. Like, like you almost choke up in the midst of the church services. I speak about it today. Daniel chapter 12, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, give us encouragement. They give us hope that one day God will take those who have died in Christ and resurrect their dead bodies and give them a renewed body and we will meet them in the air with the Lord. If you're just a follower of Christ, you say, Nick, death has not touched me recently with a family member or anything. Um, even you can be encouraged by these words with all that's going wrong in the world. There's a lot going wrong in the world, don't we agree? You look at what happened in Nashville this week. You look at what happened in Little Rock with tornadoes. And anybody ever wonder, man, where in the, Lord, where in the world is the Lord? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 tells us <clears throat> how this whole thing is going to end. 
And it's gonna end with hope. It's gonna end with joy. It's gonna happen, listen to me, with reunion with people we know who have died in Christ, okay? So uh, it's interesting whenever you talk about the end times, uh, usually this is the equation with many people in end times. End times equals freak out, okay? Well, who's the Antichrist? Is he, is he alive right now? I was pretty sure it was this guy. Then that, well, that didn't happen. I was pretty sure it was this guy. And so, and, and so people wonder all the times about who the Antichrist is. What about the mark of the beast? Is, is this the mark of the beast? What will we know it's the mark of the beast? And all these questions, when in all reality, Daniel chapter 12 points us beyond all the questions and it tells us, listen, in the midst of all that stuff, you can have hope. One day, your future as a follower of Jesus is that you will always be with the Lord. And so believers don't look at the end times with fear. Don't look at Daniel chapter 12 with fear or the great tribulation with fear. God gives us hope and God gives us encouragement through this passage. Now, as encouraging as Daniel chapter 12 verses one and two are for the follower of Jesus, and there's a ton of encouragement there, this same passage is horrifying to the person that doesn't know Christ. It is one of the worst passages in the Bible for those who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ for this simple fact. It tells you crystal clearly where you are headed. The Bible says in this, in this passage, verse two, that for those who have repented and trusted in Christ, heaven is your eternal destination. And for those who have never put their faith in the Lord Jesus, Hell is your eternal destination. The English Standard Version, of which I read from every Sunday, describes hell as a place of shame and everlasting contempt. Hell is a place of eternal torment, according to the Bible. And uh, man, I, I don't find it a coincidence that right here, the week before Easter, when thousands upon thousands of people will come onto our three campuses of all the passages that God had had us in and all the books of the Bible that God could have had us in, he has us right here at the end of Daniel speaking about the reality of heaven and hell. You know, we come into church often and, and I do the same thing, wanting God to speak to us personally. Anybody ever walking in church like that? Like, Lord, I need you to speak to me. Can I, can I pull the focus off of you for a second? And can I, can I ask the Lord to do something in the whole of our church, like in this church family? And this is, this is a bunch of individual agreements that make up one massive agreement before the Lord. Can we just freshly as a church embrace eternity again? Can we, can we freshly embrace the doctrine and the reality of heaven and of hell? Every single person that you've ever known in your life will go to one of these two places when they die. And uh, do the people around you know Jesus? Do they know the Lord personally? And if not, what are you doing about it? You know, the last uh, month or so, we've asked you to pray for five people that you know that they're not saved, they don't know Christ personally. And we just ask that you would just begin to pray about them, just that God would bend their hearts to the gospel, that the Holy Spirit would begin speaking to them, and that God would even give you an opportunity to invite them here 
for Easter. May, may Daniel chapter 12 just push us further in this desire, further in this burden and passion for people. Keep on reading verse, thir- verse uh, 3. It says, And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Who are the wise in this passage? These are those who have trusted Christ by faith. These are Christians. And, uh, and so if you would look at yourself and say, man, like, I am not a very smart person, not a very wise person. If you're saved, Bible says you're wise, man. You've gotten the one thing right in your life you needed to get right. And here's what the Bible says. It says that those who turn people to righteousness, they will shine like the stars forever and ever. Okay, so, so these people will be glorified in Christ's kingdom and they will shine like stars Pretty beautiful description of Christians and the life to come. On the flip side, again, it, it gives both ends of the spectrum. So while verse three, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're like, man, that's, that's amazing. Not only am I a wise person, I didn't know that, but I'm a wise person, but man, I'm gonna shine like stars in the kingdom one day. Verse four, again, gives the other side of the story, which again, is just horrible. And here's what the Bible says. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. So when Daniel is told to shut up and, and uh, to shut up the book and to seal the book, it's not the Lamb's Book of Life. Okay, Daniel does not have access to that book. All right, this is speaking about the vision that God had given Daniel. So, so Daniel, shut up the vision right now. And here we are a few thousand years later after this, and we have a, a greater understanding than even Daniel had of this vision than he would have in that moment. This passage mentions that people will be running to and fro looking for knowledge. One pastor mentioned it this way. He said this verb references the movement of a person always searching for something. Do you know people in your life like that? Always looking always searching, always yearning, looking for knowledge, looking for hope, looking for satisfaction. Let me, let me play this out for you, okay? Uh, cameraman, get ready, okay? Here's what Daniel chapter 12, verse four is saying. There are gonna be people in your life who this is their constant pattern of life. Maybe I, maybe I can find it over here. Or maybe, maybe it's over here, no. Perhaps it's, it's, it's here. Okay, that didn't work. Maybe, maybe it's this. And this is why people run to various substances. This is why people run to alcohol. Trying to find help and hope. People run to drugs, pills of all sorts, trying, trying to just find some relief. This is why people run from relationship to relationship thinking a person can fulfill what only God can fill in your heart. It's why people run after money 
over and over and over, and they try to yearn and earn and yearn and earn. If I can just get this car, then I'll feel better. If I can buy the boat, then I'm gonna feel better. If we, if we move to that neighborhood, then I'll feel better. If I wear those clothes, then I'll be accepted. And it's just a running to and fro. It's why people bounce from religion to religion to religion, or said more so in our day, they take the wind of the culture in that moment and they say, okay, well, if I, if I embrace this, then that's right. Or no, then I gotta embrace this and, oh, that didn't, that didn't last. And I gotta embrace this and I gotta bounce and bounce and bounce. So anybody in this room know what I'm talking about? You got friends like that? Some of you today, you say, you're like, that's, that's me You've never heard anybody explain it to you that way. Well, Daniel chapter 12 gives us that picture of people just running back and forth throughout their entire lives, trying to find hope, trying to find rest, trying to find satisfaction, trying to find knowledge, and they never, ever find it. At the end of every bottle, at the end of every relationship, at the end of every transaction, here's what you're gonna find. You may not realize this yet, at the end of every one of those paths, you find emptiness yet all over again. It's a place that only Jesus can fill in your life. You remember the woman at the well? Jesus is at a certain well in, in one of the gospels and, and this woman comes up to him and, uh, and he begins to talk to her and he begins to call out her sin just one after another. Like she's just blown away that this guy who she doesn't know knows all about her life. And you remember what Jesus says to her? He says, you come to me, I'll give you water and you'll never thirst again. In other words, it's like an echo of Daniel chapter 12. You wanna stop this in your life? Stop this pattern in your life? Run to Jesus and he'll help you never thirst again. You come to the source and he'll change every single thing Amen. about your life. That's what Daniel teaches us. Let me give you, in closing, just I'll give you two takeaways from Daniel chapter 12, and then we're done. One's about you, one's about God, okay? Two takeaways from Daniel 12. In all reality, these are also present throughout the book of Daniel. So these are really two takeaways from the book of Daniel. And uh, again, one's about you, one's about the Lord. Here's the first one. It's one about God. God always has an eye on his people. He always has an eye on his people. Think through the book so far. Daniel is given the ability to interpret dreams. King has a dream. God always has an eye on his people. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown into a furnace. God always has an eye on his people. Daniel thrown into a pit with a bunch of lions. God saves him. God always has an eye on his people. We see it time and time again. We see it here again. If you're, uh, if you're brand new to our church, um, let me help explain how the preaching works. I'm usually here every other week, and I have two teaching pastors who help me in the preaching of God's word, uh, Ryan Blackwell and Jeff Crawford, okay? I told you this distinction before. It's important to give you the distinction again today, especially if you're brand new, okay? Uh, Jeff is the smart one, Okay? <laughs> Ryan is the nice one. Never known anybody in my entire life who doesn't like Ryan Blackwell. And me, I'm just the cool one, okay? So just <laughs> keep that for what it's worth. Don't forget those, okay? 
Now, Jeff, the smart one, is preaching on a day when it's a complex passage. He's at the Fayetteville campus today uh, doing all three of their services. And, uh, and it's helpful that, that a few of us are preaching the same passage because especially during times like this passage where we can say, okay, how do we try to rally the last six chapters into one sermon? And early on in the process, I thought Jeff had a great word, the smart one of which I will share with you today, okay? Here's what he said about this passage. He says, God gave us a glimpse of tomorrow so that we would have courage for today. Isn't that a great word? That's the book of Daniel. In general, that's Daniel chapter 12 specifically. God gave us a glimpse of tomorrow so that we would have courage for today. In other words, the last half of the book of Daniel is more than just us getting to guess on how different things in the end times are gonna play out. It's, uh, it's more than just us having different views and arguing over those views and you know, all being wrong in some way in some, some form that will be all be cleared up in the end times, okay? Daniel chapter 12 is God doing exactly what he was doing in that time in this way. God's just giving his people comfort. And so if you're here today and you are burdened by all the things going on in the world, uh, some of you watch the news every single night. You, you spend day after day, hour after hour, scrolling social media, and you think to yourself, like I mentioned a moment ago, man, where in the world is God? Where is God in a thing like Nashville? Where is God in, in the destruction we've seen in Little Rock this past week? God always has an eye on his people. Sometimes um, it's hard to believe that. And so, and in fact, some of you may be here today and, and it's like the spotlight has come straight down on your head and you're like, okay, it feels like God's speaking directly to me right now. Because it is hard, especially when, when times are tough and family stuff's going on, career stuff's going on. It's very easy to believe that God has forgotten you. Anybody else struggle with that from time to time? And so sometimes you gotta have somebody else say it for you and it just has a way of kind of stirring up faith. Let me just remind you, God has an eye on his people always, at all times. So if you're here today and you're wondering, does God know where I'm at? Does God know what's going on? Does God know about my family? Does God know about this tragedy? Does God know about my career? Does God know about what's happening at my school? God always has an eye on his people. Last week at Fayetteville, I said something similar, but I think it applies here as well. Sometimes you gotta let your words guide your heart, not the other way around. And let your words guide your faith. So here's what that looks like in, the, in, in this passage as we wrap up. Lord, I believe that you have an eye on your people. Lord, I believe that you have your eye on me. And so Lord, I'm trusting that today, even when I don't feel like it, even when I don't see it, I trust that you're moving in ways that I can't see. And so Lord, today I, I guide my faith, I guide my heart by my words. According to the book of Daniel, according to your book, you always have an eye on me. Here's the second takeaway with this, we're done. We, I told you this one was about us. We should always have an eye on people's eternity. Always. In other words, the highest priority of our lives should be eternity. How we spend our time, how we take steps of faith, how we spend our money, 
This should be the dominant theme in our lives of eternity. So, so when I talk about the commitment, I will live for eternity. Here's what that means. Every conversation, every interaction, you're asking yourself in your mind and in your heart, Lord, does this, does this, does this woman know, know you personally? God, does, does this guy that I work with, and the man I've worked with him for the last six years, does he know Christ personally? Man, that group that, that we go out to, to eat every, every day in my high school, and there's six of us girls, and I know that half of them don't know Christ personally. What this looks like is to walk into your place of business tomorrow and be concerned about people's eternity. It means you walk into your school tomorrow and you're concerned about people's eternity. This is what the Bible calls being a Christian. And yet we run so far from this at times. The book of Daniel, as we wrap it up, is bringing us back to numero uno. The number one priority is eternity. Do the people around me know Jesus or not? And what am I doing about it? Again, what a, what a miracle of God that in his timing and in his sovereignty, he'd have us here seven days prior to when there are gonna be thousands of people here at Pinnacle Hills. So would you pray with me for people to be saved? Or would you pray that, Lord, even as, as we do this, Lord, would you pray for the Holy Spirit to be upon some people, guiding them towards this place for next Sunday? By the way, just let me give you a little, a little tip for Easter. You may be the first gospel presentation that somebody hears when they walk on this campus. So when you walk in from the parking lot, don't ignore the person walking next to you. Hey man, happy Easter, glad to see you. How long have you been coming? Oh, it's your first time. You wanna sit with me? See how that works? Don't walk into church and somebody's sitting in your seat. Say, happy Easter, you gotta move. Yeah, that's, you see how that closes somebody off? By the way, nobody has a seat here at Cross Church. Amen. If, somebody, if I walked in next Sunday and somebody sat in my seat, I would praise God that we have hit revival, okay? So you're a part of this. You can live for eternity just by your own hospitality next Sunday. Isn't that cool? Let me, let me speak to the two groups of people present in every service that we ever have. If you've never met Christ personally, today is the day. Don't wait till Easter, do it now. If you say, Nick, when you talk about running to and fro, looking for life, man, that is my life to a T and I need to trust in Christ. Would you do that today? You see, when you put your faith in Jesus today, here's what happens. God writes your name in the Lamb's book of life means you're gonna be in heaven for all of eternity. You will always be with the Lord like our passage said today. Would you give your life to Christ today? Those of you who are Christians, I talked about, can we just freshly embrace this as a church? Let me, let me, let me just bring it back to you personally. Can you get a fresh heart today for lost people? Maybe you're here today and you say, Nick, I, I don't know that I have a heart for lost people. I know that I should, but man, I'm just, it's just not a hot heart like it used to be. And once you come and just say, Lord, just burden me again for the people in my office. Burden me again for the people that live in our cul-de-sac. 
As I've talked, no doubt there are many names and faces that have come to your mind. And you're burdened for them. You know that if they were to die today, they would spend eternity in a place of shame and contempt and suffering called hell. And you don't know what to do. Maybe you've actually shared your faith with them before. Or maybe you know you need to, but you're just so burdened about it. Can I just invite many, many Christians to the altar today with that name on your, on your lips? Lord, would you save Sandy today? Would you save Jeremy? Would you save whatever their name is? Just, would you just utter those names? I'll be out front right after this service. If, I, if you've never met me, I'd love to meet you and your family. But I'll often, come, uh, I'll often have people come up to me and they are concerned about lost people in their life. You know, my son, he's just far from the Lord. He's not saved. Or they name somebody. I say, hey, why don't we just pray right now? And I put my arm around them and I often pray things like this. Lord, we know that the Holy Spirit can touch this person wherever they are around the world. Isn't that crazy? Like that's the power of prayer. And God allows us to be a part of this whole thing. That we could pray right here in Rogers, Arkansas today and somebody in Seattle, the Holy Spirit just gripped them by the chest. Only God can do that. It's interesting that, that today's Palm Sunday when uh, Jesus, as, as Chris talked about, when Jesus came into Jerusalem on a donkey, coming into Jerusalem to do something that only he could do. Daniel chapter 12 also references something that only he could do. Only he can save us. Only he can take a, a dead Christian's body and resurrect them and give them a new and unbroken body. Only Jesus can do that. And let me just remind us, only Jesus can touch that family member and that friend who you're praying for today more than your words, more than your effort. Jesus can touch them through the power of the Holy Spirit. So would you come? close our eyes and bow our head today as we wrap up. Please, nobody move in this most important part of the service right here. Our staff's gonna make their way to the front of each aisle and you may say, well, Nick, why are, why are these people coming? They're coming here for you. If you're the person I talked about who your life is just described by running to and fro, to and fro, to and fro, and today you're ready to stop running and to put your faith in Jesus Christ, would you come today? Just grab one of these men or women by the hand and all you gotta say is this, I need to give my life to Christ. And in a very private moment, just you and that person, they'll lead you to faith in Christ. And listen, your name will be written in the Lamb's book of life. For many of you, you'd say, Nick, I'm, I know I'm already a Christian, but man, I'm so burdened for this family member or the person that I work with or the, the girl or guy that I go to school with. And uh, again, here's my encouragement to you. Let's come to the altar today. Let's pour out the names of many, many people and just trust God to do what only he can do by the power of Jesus Christ. If you need to respond in some way, let's do that now. Lord, we're asking you to do things that only you are capable of. Prayers that are about to be uttered for people all over this world, I pray that you would hear those prayers and move on their behalf. For those that need Christ today, I pray you give them extra strength to do that right now. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.